0: Penny, everybody. Love you loads, my dear. I'm Penny, and I don't drink. Um, oh, my. I go back to the beginning. I was an adopted child. I was adopted into a family in Detroit. From Windsor, Ontario, and and that means I am a not a natural born citizen of the United States. I am an immigrant. I am also a citizen. The um, when I was adopted. I was adopted after um, my parents had lost a little girl due to polio. And I had a brother eight years older than me and a mother that was an artist and um, an emotional reactor a father that was sort of a functioning alcoholic and a nurse and a maid. And Growing up in that atmosphere was um, challenging. And I say that because I was always compared, my mother always compared me to the little girl that had died and I never measured up. I was um Not as pretty as, not as tall as, not as smart as. I was none of it. So I felt lacking. I felt like I could never prove myself good enough, smart enough, pretty enough. Uh, my my whole young years. And consequently, I married young. I was 19 when I married. And thinking that life would be beautiful. I think it was my second attempt to run away from home. My first attempt to run away from home was going away to school. And I went away to school my junior and senior year in high school. And that was good for me. The. um, As time went on. Uh, My husband was in the service and we were stationed in Oklahoma. I received a telephone call one morning, the morning after Thanksgiving, that my, my father had hung himself in the University of Michigan Hospital psychiatric ward on suicide watch. And we rushed to get home. We got a flight out of Oklahoma at noon and got into Detroit at 11 o'clock at night. And I found out when I got into Detroit that my mother had gone out in the garage that afternoon and hung herself. I was not capable of dealing with that. And booze was my friend. I drank a lot. I had lunch today with my nephew and I said, my God, I must have stayed drunk that whole week. I did not go to the funeral home. I went to the funeral under duress. Um, I was too upset to be nice to people. And it wasn't an upset feeling sorry for myself as i look back on it i was pissed i was angry and and i didn't discover that until i was sober a long time i just thought i was hurt um anyway <clears throat> Deciding that a big family was a happy family, I promptly had seven children. And my last horrible two years of drinking, I had newborn twins, a little boy one, a little boy two, a little girl four, a boy five, and a boy seven. It was, um, had I been sober, it would have been very difficult and a lot of work. Drunk, it was impossible. My drinking pattern was to suffer all day long with a horrible hangover, waiting till my husband got home with the booze for the night and then drinking myself into oblivion. Sometimes I would open the refrigerator to see what was left over, if I had eaten dinner the night before or not. And it was a a miserable existence. I found that I would be agitated as far as the kids were concerned I would, um, I, I just turned out to not be a, a nice mother. And I did not like that. We moved a lot. We moved about eight times or nine times in 10, 12 years. And it was <clears throat> selling a house to get money out of it to pay off bills to and then buy another house we were financial both of us were financially irresponsible we didn't know how to manage our money we ended up in bankruptcy <coughs> our house foreclosed on I could only get oil with a check from the oil company or the welfare department to get X number of gallons of oil to heat the house. And it was terrible. And we moved from Michigan to uh, the Virginia area. And I thought "Things, things will be better. I was always thinking and hoping things would be better. And got to Virginia and it was the same old shit. It was just horrible. And about 30 days after being in Virginia, I decided if I don't change, something awful is bound to happen. And I, <clears throat> I knew it was booze. I had known that for a long time. I had uncles and my brother all dying of tragic alcoholic deaths way before their time. And here I was, 30 years old, And not, I hadn't grown up, I had, I was a child, and I needed, I needed to not drink, and I couldn't do that by myself. I had tried quitting, I had tried not drinking so much, I had switched booze, switched drinks, i I'd done all those things that you hear people talk about. And finally called AA. I learned my way around Virginia, going to AA meetings, believe it or not. That's the way I learned my way around a new area. Two ladies came to see me after I called. And they were very nice. And one of them had been sober a couple of years. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. The other one, I think about eight months. And she was on a spiritual high. No, she was on a religious high. And that turned me off. But I was told that AA was an individual program and that each individual would get out of it exactly what they needed. And I bought that. I understood what they were saying. I was also told, (coughs) pardon me, (coughs) don't pay any attention to the god stuff you don't you don't need to and i didn't i just wanted to get st- to stop drinking i i really wanted to feel better and of course in time i felt better physically i I don't think I understood a word people were saying, except they're there, it will get better. You will get better, don't worry about it. And I was scared to death, but the people in AA were so kind to me and it's the it was the first time in my life people were telling me I was doing a good job. You're doing good, Penny. You're not drinking. that's a hundred percent and I needed that. I needed somebody to tell me I was doing right for the first time in my life, even even when I tell people that I was Pregnant again, they go. Oh no! Nobody was ever happy for me. Nobody was ever, you know. Thought I'm, you know. I I was just in a world all by myself when I came in, and I can't tell you. I I wish I could tell you right away, things were wonderful. They weren't. Um, Somewhere around three months sober, I got a telephone call from my husband saying, we have been evicted from the house, I've been fired from my job and mother's coming to live with us. And I thought, good grief. I picked up the phone and I called somebody, and they said, where are we going to a meeting tonight? Don't worry about that stuff. Where are we going to a meeting tonight? And when I called them, I said, well, it happened, and they said, which one? And I said, all three. I had been telling people I was worried about things. So I th- I think that the fact that I talked and I had shared what was going on in my life really saved my butt. I really do. Time went on in sobriety and And I started understanding a little, I wish I could tell you exact periods of time. And I can't. I know around eight years, it dawned on me that I had been a very angry kid. I had been a very angry drinker and... I had been angry in sobriety and what, what had happened. My marriage dissolved when I was sober about six years. And a couple years after that, I ended up marrying a, a, a man in, <clears throat> in a, And my life was so much better. That I could see, in retrospect, how angry I had been and how miserable I had been. It wasn't until that all had gone, had had dissipated, that I was able to see it. And I still think that there are periods of my life where... If in overcoming something, I can see how bad it was before. Okay, in, in paying bills on time, I was able to see how bad it was before putting them aside. And I could see how it affected my well being. I could see how it affected my um, sense of security. I had been insecure all my life. I wish that people coming into AA could understand that that we get better. The world around us doesn't change much, but we get better so that the way we see things changes. The way I think about things change. You know, I think the first step meeting I went to, I was sober maybe three or four weeks, and it was on the 10th step. And I picked up on that um, spiritual axiom that whenever there's whenever I'm uncomfortable, there's something wrong with me. And that doesn't didn't necessarily mean I was doing things wrong. I could have been seeing things wrong. I could have been thinking incorrectly. I could have been misinterpreting stuff and that can still happen to me but i i started trying to find a way out and and it was a mechanism for me of change <clears throat> to change me not not changing the world it was to change me and one of the best um examples of that my son had one of my sons had been in Japan for 18 years and he came back to the US and I thought mom maybe if he stayed with us for a couple of years he'd get his feet on the ground Um. my husband was dying at the time a a long nasty uh, illness and um, and he came in he was helpful at times and I was good I was good so long as I felt I was being useful but then he stayed on for 13 years And he had brought his son over after a year. And then his daughter came over after a couple of years. And I would go through periods of feeling used. And when I felt used, I was miserable. And when I felt, when when I would think in terms of being useful i was fine i was okay so i worked at trying to feel useful and and that and that made me feel better so it's a way of describing how my thinking caused how I felt. And some of the things that have happened to me in sobriety, I came in saying, you know, I can't do anything right. People would say, oh, try this. And I'd say, I can't do that. I, I just can't do it right. And what I was saying was, I can't do it perfectly. And another woman in AA said, I want you to knit a sweater and make a skirt. And I want you to knit the sweater start to finish and make the skirt start to finish. I don't want you to stop midway and say it isn't any good and put it in the closet. So I did that. And, you know, it was funny when I was sewing the skirt, she called me up and she said, how's it coming? And I said, well, the seam is not perfectly straight. And she said, well, dear, isn't that on the inside? And I thought, oh, yeah, it is. It doesn't matter. It's not important. And I literally learned how to sew. I learned how to to knit. I could make clothes for my kids. Um, (laughs) I ended up making wedding gowns, and bridesmaids' dresses for my three daughters. That was a feat. When I thought I couldn't sew anything. Another thing that happened to me is I came across bird carving. Carving realistic birds out of wood. And I thought, I wonder if I could do that. And and the one of the people we were with was NAA and and was taking lessons in it and said, Well, you come on up to Dan's house and we'll show you how. And I started carving, and within I don't know, five or six years, I had taken over a hundred awards locally, nationally, and internationally. It was amazing. It was an amazing period of my life. And I had to stop carving because my husband got ill. And I had to take care of him. I could not. I couldn't do both. It was impossible. So that was a phase of my sobriety. And I can remember my husband's psychiatrist looking at me. He had been to some some of the bird art shows. And he said, Penny, you're not carving anymore. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, and my husband right away said, "No, she's got to take care of me." And, and the the psychiatrist looked at me and said, "How do you feel about that?" And I said, "Well, man, there's a time and a place for everything. And and it's not it's not time for me to carve right now. It's time for me to take care of my husband. And and I'm glad I did that." I felt very, very uh, strong about helping him because he couldn't help himself anymore. And I needed to help him because he was a beacon of light for me. And and he died in two thousand, and then I had a whole widowhood to live <clears throat> up till now, twenty-three years later. And I have done all kinds of things. I am not bored. It's funny. I had I have two daughters that came into AA. And one of them came in at 19, and the other one was 23. And at about four or five months, they'd look at me and say, Mom, are you, I'm bored. And I would say, are you bored or are you just peaceful? And they decided, oh, my gosh, we're not creating chaos anymore. And they just didn't know what to do with themselves. It's it's strange getting sober, I know. But, you know, I can sit and drink coffee and look at the birds and watch the outdoors for a long time. And I don't feel like I'm being useless or I'm bored. I feel like my life is beautiful. I try to help people when I can. My abilities to do that are dwindling at my age, but I do what I can. And I have always put AA first after I came into AA. And and in doing that, I think I just continually recommitted myself to the program. I got through the God stuff. I was able to do that because somebody in in a meeting on step six and seven explained what the qualities of love were. And they said the qualities of love were patience, kindness, courtesy, Generosity. Good temper. Unselfishness. Guilelessness. Humility and sincerity. And I added one. I added cheerfulness. And I added cheerfulness because nobody likes a sad ass. That was important to me. But. But I found that if I tried to practice those things, I would lessen the self-centered life that I had lived. I had lessened um, friction in friendships. Things got easier because I wasn't making them so difficult. I wasn't making relationships diff- as difficult. And I just started getting better. And so trying to be a loving person was a very important thing. And what, really what it did is it's, it separated the difference between love and lust. And also it allowed me to, to grow a little bit. And as I grew and as, as things um, I began to handle things differently, what would happen is the results would be so good. I'd want to continue so that the action reinforced the idea. And that was a very, very positive thing in my life. That was very important. Have I done all the steps? Yeah, but not in the right order. Have I done them as they're written in the big book? No. but i try and live the the whole idea of being a better person and i think that's what the steps try to give us they try to help us grow beyond the the um insecure self-centered i can't do anything person to blooming into a life that we're meant to have or that is possible for us maybe not that we're meant to have but something that's possible that's better and i'm just terribly grateful i'm 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 one of those few people that's really happy i became a drunk because If I hadn't, I would have never found AA or an outfit like it to help me become a better human being. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And Mark, thanks for asking me to speak.